Welcome back to the Mini Hoops Podcast. Uh, this week's episode, we're going to be talking about NBA Finals Game 3 and 4, uh, some trade rumors around the league, and some of the best and worst trade uh, scenarios with the Cade Cunningham with the Pistons. Uh, first, let's get right into Game 3. Fellas, what do you think? Um, so obviously a super uh, exciting game. Um, here are some of the notes that I took during the game. Uh, kind of just gonna rattle them off here. Uh, the Bucks started in drop coverage. Uh, this is something I was looking at uh, that I mentioned in the first uh, or in the last episode. I was really watching their defensive schemes and whether they were gonna switch or um, edge on screens or do drop coverage or whatever. Um, and they did drop coverage with Lopez in Game Three, but they switched on everything else at least in the first half. Um, Giannis had four assists in the first quarter, which is kind of uh, uncharacteristic of him, but that helped him a lot. Um, Chris Paul is still just unbelievable in the pick and roll. He really is just like the maestro that everyone makes him out to be. Not that I was ever doubting that, um, but it was just really evident in game three that he just is so, so good in the pick and roll uh, with Aiden specifically. Uh, Aiton did a good job of taking advantage of mismatches. Whoa, taking advantage of mismatches. Um, he was really, really good in the first half. Um, switching to the Bucks for a second. Uh, Jeff Teague came in again before Bryn Forbes, which has become common for some reason. Uh, Jeff Teague, we've talked about him not being a fantastic player. Uh, I understand Forbes defensive uh, limitations but yeah that's just kind of weird uh i thought devin booker looked tired in game three he wasn't really sharp uh looked a little sluggish settled on a few shots uh didn't really seem like he was attacking the rim a ton and that would be super uh reasonable if he was tired uh he's played a ton of minutes uh, both during the season and in the playoffs uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was just exhausted. Um, Middleton ran the offense more in the first half uh, as opposed to like Holiday or a different point guard or uh, ball handler. Did a pretty good job. Uh, the Suns switched to his own defense in the third uh, just to kind of mix things up, uh, especially without uh, DeAndre Ayton. They had to kind of uh, get unique and uh, spice things up a bit to try and uh, Make it tough for the Bucks, and then uh, Cam Johnson was huge in the third quarter. Uh, he made a couple shots, um, some energy, and uh, yeah, he was big. So that was uh, what I had for notes on Game Three. Um, what stood out to you guys? Yeah, I thought this was a good performance by the Bucks. Um, Giannis scored forty points. He did his thing. Um, it also worked out really well that Booker was struggling for them. Uh, Booker only shot three for 14, as, and as you said, looked kind of tired out there. Didn't really play well. Um, but it also helped that Drew Holiday probably had his best game of the series so far, offensively at least, with uh, 21 points on fairly efficient shooting. Um, so, yeah, they just they looked good. They are at home, played to the crowd, and it's a good win for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my biggest takeaways from it, 
Um, just the Bucks just played really well, in my opinion. Um, I'm still very shocked by with Game Three how Jeff T got 14 minutes and Bryn Forbes only got four. Um, like I said earlier in the last pod, I thought that Bobby Portis needed more minutes because I think he's a good bench player and can bring some needed energy and that big man off the bench. Um, he really showed it to me in this game. He had 11 points and eight rebounds and on his uh, 18 minutes limited. But overall, I didn't see him struggle that much uh, on the switches when he had to guard Chris Paul, and that was a big step for me. He did make Chris Paul miss a couple jump shots, I believe. Um, but yeah, overall with the Suns, Booker, <laughs> he did not shoot well, only with his 10 points. Um, and of course, you you got to have um, Chris Paul and Aiton play well too. And then uh, I guess I'm just rolling back to the Bucks here. Giannis played insane, dropped that second 41 or 40 point 10 rebound a game in the series, and he was only the four re- assists off the triple double. So overall, uh, I don't know, I, w- I would like the series to go to seven. In my opinion, it's kind of crazy. Uh, what do you think about Game Four? Um, just kind of uh, disappointing performances from Suns, other than Devin Booker. I think was kind of the story of Game Four. Um, DeAndre Ayton only had six points. Uh, he was three of nine from the field. Uh, he did have 17 rebounds, which is uh, really really good. But uh, they usually get more scoring from him, and with that, more efficient scoring. Jay Crowder did make three threes. He had 15 points and eight rebounds, so not a bad performance from him. Uh, Booker obviously had like 42, 17 of 28 from the field. Uh, he didn't make a three, which was um, weird. He was 0-3 yeah, three. on three. Um, yep. Chris Paul, it was, a, it was a really bad game for Chris Paul. Uh, 10 points, 5 of 13 from the field, 0 of 2 from three. Um, seven assists, four rebounds, but five turnovers, four fouls. Not that like fouls are super important, but um, he, had, he had that costly turnover right at the end of the game. Yeah, one of their uh, one of their seventeen turnovers on the night, Oof. which was uh, really bad and really kind of uncharacteristic of the Suns team as a whole. Uh, Mikel Bridges really efficient, uh, three of four from the field, one of two from three, seven points. Um, Bummer that he wasn't able to shoot more, I guess, because um, he was doing pretty well. Cam Johnson, 10 points, uh, efficient scoring. Um, but Giannis, yeah, he uh, he played really, really well again. 26 points, 14 boards. Chris Middleton with the 40 bomb. Um, yeah, I think Chris Middleton just kind of took over. The Bucks' big three showed up big, and um, that's that's what stood out to me the most. Yeah, game game four is way different in my opinion compared to game three. You know, Booker really struggled in game three, but he really turned it on in game four with the seventeen for twenty eight shooting. And yeah, it did surprise me that he only shot those three three pointers and didn't make a single one. Um, and then yeah, we talked about how Chris Paul, you know, he kind of struggled this game. Um, he did have that costly turnover at the end of the game, which kind of made the Suns lose. Um, I'm still. So happy with Aiton's play. I would like to see him score more. Um, he did shoot three of nine. He did have the seventeen rebounds though. Came in clutch for the team. Um, Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. I think they played pretty pretty well. 
I mean, Jay Carter did shoot three for nine from three, but he did have uh, 15 points overall in the game with the eight eight rebounds. And then Cam Johnson just shoots pretty efficiently every game. And I believe he had that pretty nasty dunk on P.J. Tucker. Or was that last game? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. I think that was game three. Or game three? But yeah, he was did. in Milwaukee, so yep. Yeah. He did have that nice dunk on P.J. Tucker, I noticed, too. But um, with the Bucks, um, I kind of called it Bobby Portis getting more minutes high for the dude. Um, I'm still surprised that Jeff Teague even got minutes and Bryn Forbes didn't play a single minute. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of my biggest takeaways besides how, you know, during down the stretch, Booker definitely fouled uh, no, Drew okay. Holiday on that layup. <laughs> yeah, that was and a horrible no call. Yeah, exactly. So, Steinman, what do you think about it? Yeah, I that was. De- I mean, I don't know if you're talking about the call, but that was definitely a uh, foul. But um, I don't know. They, but I mean, I don't think it would have made a difference because the Bucks still won. So, like, I don't know, whatever. But I don't know. Rest should probably step up in the next game. But yeah, Bucks looked good again at home. Giannis Middleton did their thing. Uh, were able to force a lot of turnovers and win the game. For sure. Uh, pivoting to our um, rumors around the league or trade rumors, free agency, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, a Bleacher Report article from Andy Bailey. Uh, he said that the best offer the Sixers are going to get for Simmons is CJ McCollum, uh, a 2023 first round pick, and maybe a 2024 pick swap. Um, or yeah, Simmons for McCollum, 2023 first-round pick, and maybe a 2024 pick swap is the best offer the Sixers are going to get. And um, I think that's pretty fair value. I don't think it's like super lopsided or absurd in terms of uh, trade value. But I just I started to think, I don't know how much better uh, Philly is if they do this. Um, McCollum is obviously a big like upgrade on the wing, and would help him a lot. Um, he's not good defensively, so it's kind of you know maybe that evens out. I don't know. You get some some scoring punch, but you trade away Simmons, who was a defensive player of the year candidate for, or you you swap Simmons for McCollum, who's just not a good defender. Um, obviously, they have other competent defenders in Thibault and and Bead, and maybe Danny Green resigns, maybe not, but. Um, they do have other guys who can make up for it, but I don't know if um, I don't know if overall they become a whole lot better if they do this trade. Uh, and same with Portland, um, they will certainly become better defensively, adding Simmons and getting rid of McCollum. But I start to think I don't know if uh, I don't know if they have enough scoring outside of Dame if they uh, make this move. And I mean I don't know maybe if they deal McCollum they. They blow it up and trade Dame and build around Simmons. But, um, so yeah, I don't know. I just don't know how much better uh, either of these teams uh, get if they make this trade. Uh, what do you guys think? Personally, in my opinion, I don't, I wouldn't do this trade either. I just feel like McCollum is, like, yes, he's a good shooter and he really struggles on defense, but I don't know if, he, I don't know if he's really worth the, the Ben Simmons kind of thing. Yes, Philly could use a shooter. 
and he'd be a better fit alongside Embiid because of his shooting ability. But I don't know if I'd even do this trade if I were Philly. And then I don't know if you know, they might want to rebuild with Dame or like trade Dame if they get Simmons. I just don't see how why they would do that. You know what I mean? Like the point of getting Simmons to them to be boosting their defense and to help Dame, in my opinion. But uh, I I just don't see this trade happening. Plus, I think that a different team could even offer better than this. Yeah, I agree. I don't really think this improves the 76ers enough to uh, get rid of Simmons, who's a lot younger than McCollum. And I don't know. I guess they're like really opposite players, so it is definitely a interesting situation. But um, I don't know, Portland. It doesn't really make sense for them to lose shooting um, around Dame um, and the Sixers. I don't really know how much McCollum actually would benefit them. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot to a lot to think about here, but uh. Sticking on the, the topic of Simmons, um, Zach Buckley of Bleacher Report also put out an article called uh, Blockbuster NBA Trades You've Never Thought Of. Um, like I said, it involves Simmons uh, and Oklahoma City and Houston. So it's a three-team deal where Ben Simmons and Shake Milton go to Oklahoma City. Philly gets Kemba Walker, Eric Gordon, Kenrick Williams, numbers 16, 18 and 34 in this year's draft a 2024 first round pick and a 2025 first round pick and then houston receives george hill and number 55 from oklahoma city in this year's draft so okc is giving up a lot in this deal in terms of uh draft capital so it's 16 18 34 and 55 in this draft and then a 2024 first and a 2025 first. Now, if there was going to be any team to give up this kind of draft capital, it would obviously be OKC because they have like a million first round picks and just picks in general. So it's not horrible that they're getting rid of it. But um, I think when I read this and saw this for the first time, I just started to think, are we still undervaluing Simmons? Um, We haven't. And I say we as like collectively as in NBA fans have not really been able to nail down what his value is. And I feel like it's fluctuated uh, ever since the Sixers season ended. So I don't, it's really just hard to figure out is this, is this an overpay or is this, is this accurate? Um, so yeah, what do you guys think about it? Well, sp- speaking of, um, the whole trade in general that you kind of went over, but I do think it's kind of an overpay, but it's I still feel like it's also an, they're kind of still undervaluing Simmons at the same time. It's I'm really mixed. I have mixed emotions on this trade. Um, that's why it's articles perfectly blocked with NBA trades that you've never thought of. I personally don't even know if I would do this if I were. Philly, or even with the OKC's perspective, because you're giving up so much draft capital. 16, 18, 34, and 55, plus two future first-round picks. 
for Simmons and Milton. Um, I do like the fit of Simmons and Shea with that young core and all the other picks they have with six and uh, future assets. Um, I think Houston's just in there to throw away and get some salary relief, but I'm really mixed. I have a really mixed opinion on this trade. Yeah, I, I agree. Kind of. I don't. I agree that it's not a good move for Philly. I don't know why they would need to receive a bunch of picks unless they would turn around and flip those for someone else. Because I don't think Kemba and Eric Gordon are that much of an improvement. I, I said the same thing about the last trade, but. Uh yeah, like I guess if you're gonna try and flip those picks into something else, then I'd be for that. But if I'm OKC, I would probably consider doing this because sixteen, eighteen, thirty-four in this year's draft. I mean, they're not like the most valuable picks. So I don't know. You're getting a star player for you know a draft pick, which is always a hit or miss. So. I don't know. It seems like a good deal for OKC, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree when you say that the the draft capital that uh, OKC is giving out is likely not going to amount to the talent level of Simmons. Obviously, Simmons was number one overall pick, and guys in the 16 to, you know, 16, 18, 34, you can maybe get some role players or like some draft and stash guys. Not that it would really make sense for Philly to do draft and stash guys, but yeah, I think it's I think they would certainly package this to go and get someone else. Um, their title window is is now, and I think if they were able to package those, I would be really excited to see what they get in return. Like I don't know if they go and they go and get a guy like Bradley Beal or something. That would be tough now that they don't have. Simmons, Milton, and George Hill to kind of match salary or, you know, just toss them into a deal. Or maybe they go and get like McCollum and just give them picks and maybe, I don't know, like Thibel or Maxi for young talent, something like that. But I think this this could be really good um value for Philly. Uh Eric Gordon, I'm sure he's gonna be a free agent soon, like after this year or maybe the next. So he's not like a super uh important piece. Uh, Kemba would be the point guard they need. I have my doubts about Kemba, but um, he would certainly kind of fill that hole at point guard if he can stay on the floor. Um, but yeah, I'd be super interested to see what they could get for those picks and how they could kind of uh, round out the roster with uh, these new assets that they have. Kind of going back on uh, what you just said with how like Philly could use these to flip. Um, I feel like their whole cap situation is kind of fucked over right now. That if they were to flip these assets that they just received, they'd also have to flip Kemba as their cap situation is kind of dead. And I feel like the filler with the Eric Gordon and Kemba will kind of make it make the Ben Simmons contract match right. So they couldn't really just add another superstar player. They'd have to get rid of one of those. Um, to kind of, I don't know, just see. I mean, if I were to see, I'd consider this. But like I said, it's it's just a. It's some dude's opinion on a blockbuster trade that nobody ever thought of. And I, if somehow this comes into fruition, that I now, I don't know, I'm still really mixed opinions on it, but I, I guess I still would consider it if I were OKC. 
been kind of shifting over from all trade uh, rumors and stuff. There's been some uh, possibilities with how Detroit might even trade the first overall pick. Um, according to the Athletic, they have made some mock trades, um, and I kind of want to go over them, and I want to get you guys' opinion on the best and the worst, in your opinion. So the first trade is with the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans. So the Pelicans would trade Brandon Ingram, this 10th pick in the draft, for the number one pick, Corey Joseph, uh, Mason Plumley, and Josh Jackson. The second one was with the Sacramento Kings, and the Kings would trade Tyrese Halliburton, the number nine pick, um, and their 2023 future first-round pick for the number one pick and Mason Plumley. Uh, then we got Orlando. Orlando would trade number five and eight in this year's draft, as well as Wendell Carter Jr. for the number one pick and Mason Plumley. And then we have the Warriors. They would trade seven and fourteen, and also James Wiseman for the number one pick in Mason Plumley. And then you got OKC with the trading the sixth pick and Shea Gilgis Alexander for the number one pick straight up. And then I also got Toronto with the fourth pick, OG Anunobi uh, to the Pistons for the number one pick, Mason Plumley and Corey Joseph. And lastly, or no, two more to go, sorry. Uh, Cavs. A 23 pick in Isaac Okoro for the number one pick. And lastly, Houston would trade number two, the number 23, and its own first round pick in 2023 for the number one pick. Um, going over those boys, if you need me to repeat them, go right ahead. Um, but overall, what do you think the best and the worst one out of those trades are? Um, well, we lost you with connection on the, the Cavs one, but I think I... Got the gist of it. It was like Okoro, and I'm sure the it was, uh, third overall pick, probably. It was the third overall pick, a future 2023 first-round pick, and Isaac Okoro. Okay. Um, yeah, the one that stood out to me the most, or just that uh, caught my attention, was the Oklahoma City one, of course. Um, Shea going to Detroit. That's That would be a big acquisition for Detroit. Um, I would have question marks about how he fits their timeline. Uh, they are not going to be good anytime soon, or at least next year, or maybe the year after. Um, they do have some good rookies, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey. If they were to add uh, Shea Gilgis with Killian Hayes, uh, that'd be a, an interesting backcourt. Um, so it would certainly be a good addition. I have questions about their... Um, their fit um but yeah certainly uh intriguing the warriors one is super interesting as well 7 14 and wiseman um it's pretty decent value i think for for the number one overall pick maybe i think you could argue that they're not getting enough still just because 7 and 14 you know, I don't know if that's... I mean, Kate is rumored to be like a superstar, you know, like a franchise cornerstone. And I guess you could argue that Wiseman could be as well. Uh, I don't really think that. I think I'm a little bit lower on Wiseman 
than most. Um, but that would be a, that'd be a hell of a move for Golden State. Um, so that one's really interesting as well. Those are the two that stood out the most to me. Yeah, I agree. I think like probably the best one for Detroit would be with Golden State because I think Wiseman plus two lottery picks definitely really good value. Uh, but I don't really know. I guess the Warriors it would kind of make sense bringing like a really young guy to pair with your you know thirty year old superstars. That would be a little interesting. Kind of what they did with Wiseman though last year, but um. I don't know. That'd probably be the best value for Detroit, along with Oklahoma City. Uh, I also thought maybe like the Rockets. You know, just if you don't believe in Cade, just get number two, and maybe a couple or and a couple more picks in there. Um, I don't know. I don't think. I honestly don't think Detroit should really move the pick unless they really don't like Cade for some reason. Yeah, I agree. I was just about to toss that in too. Also just on the record, I think they should <laughs> keep the pick and take Cade. Yeah. Yeah, after reading this kind of out to you guys, the one that the worst offer to me, I think, is with OKC. I don't. I think you're giving up way too much when you do number six and Shea Gilgis Alexander for the just number one pick. Because, I mean, Cade could be this super good talent, but you have Shea's a borderline all-star right now. And you just, it's so many question marks plus the six overall pick. If I'm OKC, I'd want to build around Shea and maybe try to figure out to acquire the number one pick without giving up him. Um, the Warriors one always intrigues me. I'm not down on Wiseman yet, and he, he got hurt as Vakir. I still think he could be great as a, a great center in the league. Um, yeah. Uh, think of another one. Um, the Kings one kind of intrigues me as well, because like the same thing with Tyrese Halliburton showing his going great potential last year, but I still I don't know if I if if I'm if I'm Detroit I'm not doing Halliburton number nine for or in the future first for Kate Cunningham basically. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yeah. saying, if I, if if I'm them, I'm just not trading Kate Cunningham regardless. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Orlando one too. Now that I think of it, is if we're talking value, that's that's got to be up there as well. Five and number eight, f- number five, Wendell. eight, and Wendell Carter. Um, you know, Wendell Carter's not hasn't been fantastic in his few years in the league, but um, you know, maybe you take a shot on him if you're Detroit and just to see what happens. Um, they might have a bit of a crowded front court there with Stewart and Bay. If you throw mm-hmm. in. Carter as well, and they do have Mason Plumley as well. Not that he's going to be like a part of their future, their long term future or anything, but gets to be a little bit crowded. But five and eight um, is really good draft capital. So I think they'd be given a Plumley with the first overall pick in that trade. Okay. Okay. Um, and then the last one that just kind of intrigues me with is the Pelicans one with Brandon Ingram in the tenth pick for number one in. Corey Joseph and Mason Plumlee and Josh Jackson. Um, I don't know. I just it's kind of weird how it just seems how like Brandon Ingram. You know, he's this. I mean, he was an All Star this year. Um, it just his. I don't know what his value really would be. Like, I I think he's a good player in the league, but I don't know if I'd even accept this trade because I mean, you're getting the All Star, but 
I don't know if it's still worth the potential with Cade. Crazy that Brandon Ingram is just as old as Shea. They're both yeah. 23. That is I crazy. thought that Ingram was a lot older. I was about to say that Brandon Ingram doesn't really fit the timeline for Detroit. But, you know, I guess you could argue that he, he does. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird to me. I don't know. It's just, this is really, all these trades are really intriguing. Um, I can't, I mean, there's a couple that are stand out more than others, but overall, it's just kind of, kind of weird to, weird to see like the Pistons would even, I mean, the Pistons aren't, obviously these are fake trades, so they're not really considering them, but um, I don't, I don't think they should trade the first overall pick regardless, like we've said before, but these are just intriguing mock trades that maybe, you know, maybe a team would offer. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the annual, uh, mock trades for the number one overall pick are always, are always fun. Um, Timberwolves mm. fans got them last year. Um, and they were always fun to, to dive into. So it was, uh, it was good to bring them up and just kind of see what's going on there. So yeah, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we end the pod today? Uh, yeah, I just read, um, that the Team USA exhibition game versus Australia uh, is going to get like canceled for, I guess, health and safety protocols. Um, looks like Bradley Beal and Jeremy Grant are for sure going to uh, be out for some time. Um, I don't really know if this is a huge deal, but it's kind of interesting to bring up. There might be an issue with COVID going into the Olympics. I guess not surprising, but... It'll be weird to see what happens. Right. Um, I think this just means that Zach Levine will probably get more run for Team USA. Um, and as a as a Timberwolves fan, my mind goes to Anthony Edwards potentially being called up to uh, Team USA if he had not sprained his ankle. Uh, it would have been really fun to see him get some run with the team. Uh, so it's kind of a bummer that he doesn't have that opportunity. Same with Nazarid too. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would have got some uh, some backup minutes too, or a little bit of action at least. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we gotta of... watch. Yeah, instead we gotta watch Keldon Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been way way more interesting to see Ant and Nas potentially being able to play with this year's Team USA team. Um, it stinks because that team you're saying may lose Bradley Beal and Jamie Grant for the whole Olympics in general. So, yeah, that's been another episode of the Mini Hoops Pod, and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>